What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. And today we've got a special guest with me. A guy who hasn't been on the show, but... Someone who everyone knows in the 49ers community, Akash Anavarathan. How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, appreciate you for having me. And appreciate you for coming on. Um, before we start, Akash recently worked at Niners Nation. I'm sure you guys, a lot of you guys have read a good amount of his work. Uh, appreciate everything you've done there. But let's start. I mean, 49ers, you know, it's never a dull moment when you, when you cover the 49ers, when you're around this team. We, we went from... The end of the season, immediately to Brock Purdy's surgery, quarterback talk, all this different talk. Now we're at, we were kind of in the free agency draft stage, Javon Hargrave signing, all of that, Sam Darnold signing. And now at the annual owners meeting, we heard both John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan talk. Let's start with John Lynch. Um, his press conference was yesterday. Shanahan spoke today. What did you, what was kind of the initial thoughts when you heard some of the, uh, some of John Lynch's comments overall? I I think the first thing that immediately jumps out is the headline slash comment that probably went viral yesterday, which is, you know, Brock Purdy, when healthy, is the leader in the clubhouse or clubhouse leader to be starting quarterback. And I think I think a lot of us kind of expected expected that, right? It's been kind of trending that way. The players have been talking like that. Coaches, John Lynch, you know, when they did their end of season presser kind of hinted at it. The big J's, right? Albert Breers, the Peter Kings, they've been kind of hinting at it, but it was the first time that, you know, someone with the 49ers actually said those words. And right. so I think that's probably the biggest takeaway I had. I, I mean, I have to agree. I mean, when you when when Lynch comes out and says it, we've heard John Lynch speak before. A lot of people have kind of dismissed his talk as PR talk and all that kind of stuff, just in a way, uh, sidestepping what he said. But he he flat out said it. He said uh, Brock has earned the right with the way he's played. He's probably the leader in the clubhouse. I thought the second part of his comment was also interesting. He followed that up while saying, I'll let Kyle make those decisions, indicating really where the quarterback uh, kind of uh, talk kind of goes. But it is interesting because we've heard players said it. I mean, Trey Lance himself said he acknowledged how well Brock Purdy played, played last year and really just wanted a, a chance for a competition. And, I mean, you heard George Kittle say it. I think Nick Bosa has also said it. Overall, people have been uh, – people were pretty excited with the way that Brock Purdy played last year. And I think that that definitely has an impact on the locker room and clearly on the front office with John Lynch saying what he said. So definitely interesting. But we have to add on the caveat, which is we don't know when he's going to be there. Lynch came out yesterday. He said uh, that it was around training camp that they hope for him to be back. Were you surprised that he said that at all? No, because I, I think there's different different angles to this. I think the the one thing that was consistent between John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan is that at the 12-week mark is when they'll get an idea uh, right. about Brock Purdy's recovery. And I think based off of a surgery date, that's June 2nd. So I think that's like right in the middle of OTA. So at that point, they hope to have Brock Purdy starting to, you know, throw and kind of get an idea of where his rehab's going. And I think training camp starts about a month after that. And so, you know, all he said was he hopes to be ready by training camp. That I don't think that means he's going to be 100%. Doesn't mean he's going to be full go. I think, you know, they're hoping he'll be participating in some capacity, whether that's throwing on a side field, doing some limited action, <laughs> something similar to what Jimmy Garoppolo was doing last season uh, as he was rehabbing an injury. So I think that's what he was getting at. I just think when you just hear the words ready by training camp, the natural reaction is like, that. how is that possible? It was supposed to be six months, et cetera. And so people start doing the math of the time and it doesn't add up. But I just think he means that, you know, he's going to be on the field. 
hopefully he's throwing and he's doing some level of on-field work uh, by training camp. Right. And I mean, like you said, the ex- the hope is that they have clarity at that 12, uh, 12-week mark, which is because all the reports that we, we've heard from the UCL kind of this construction or not the construction, but the repair surgery is after that three week period, you can start ramping up your throwing, of course, until the six month period comes. And uh, I mean, Len- uh, Shanahan provided some clarity today. He talked about how week one is kind of where they're thinking week four at the latest. But again, it's uh, uh, too uncertain at the moment. But I, I mean, I didn't I wasn't surprised by the way that Lynch said that, but it is true. I mean, Lynch straight up said that he has probably earned the right to be the guy. And I thought that that was certainly interesting straight up coming in March, right? Without any, they don't even know if he can step on the field week one yet. And it came out in March. I mean, obviously the caveat is if he's healthy, which I think just none of us know. Brock probably doesn't know. His doctors probably don't know, right? It's just something that's just going to have to play out over time. And, And unfortunately we live in a time where everyone just wants to know and have a resolution right now in March, but unfortunately just the nature of the situation, the injury, we're not going to hear from Brock and his recovery timeline and when he's going to be ready for another two months, two and a half months. So just got to wait it out and see what happens. Yeah, definitely. Let's get to the real nugget, right? I mean, earlier today, Kyle Shanahan, he comes out, he has his own press conference. I brought up how um, he he said he envisions Brock Purdy uh, potentially come back week one, week four at the latest, but the one thing that I that really caught me was him saying that Trey Lance and Sam Donald will both earn first team reps this offseason. How do you feel about that? Not surprised. And I think again, this was again something that I felt like caught a lot of people by surprise, but I just think last offseason when they basically handed Trey Lance a starting job, right? They made sure that Jimmy Garoppolo was on a side field. The only other quarterbacks on the team at that time were Nate Sudfeld. He was a clear backup. And then Brock Purdy, who was the last pick in the draft. So it was clear where the hierarchy was in the quarterback room. And they did that. And I think, you know, you were at training camp a lot. And, you know, the the it was well reported that it was just kind of inconsistent, right? Some days were better than others. Some yeah. days weren't as good. And I think they just don't want to put themselves in that situation again where they're forced into naming Trey Lance a starter. They're forced into saying he's... He's going to be the guy and then have to backpedal from that. If he were to struggle and Sam Darnold were to play better or Brock Purdy gets healthy, et cetera. I, I just think they don't want to put themselves in that situation because I think last season, if they had just let Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance compete, Jimmy Garoppolo probably outperforms him in camp. Is that safe to say? And probably, you know, earns the starting job come week one. But they kind of cooked the books to let Lance start. And that's that makes sense. He was drafted to be the guy. He was drafted at number three. He would have had a long leash if he was healthy. And who knows how their season would have turned out. Um, and this season, yeah. they, you know, the guys on the, you know, the core bunch is a year older. They're a year more expensive. They are even more all in after signing Javon Hargrave. Um, the NFC is even weaker, in my opinion, than it was last season. So they've they've got to capitalize on this window and they can't. I don't think they're in the business of just developing Trey Lance to see what they have. I think they're in the business of winning right now and they're going to go with who gives them the best opportunity. And ultimately, I think it's going to be some sort of competition. And Trey Lance, in theory, should have the upper hand just because he's been in the system for a couple of years. He's worked with the coaches, knows the skill players. So he, in theory, he should have the upper hand over Sam Darnold, but I have no problem with them splitting reps. If we all think Trey Lance is truly what he is, he should win this competition, competition, and he should just be the more consistent and better quarterback. But I just think the 49ers are in, are in the business of winning games right now, and I think that's just how they're approaching this. I absolutely agree. I mean, when you, I, I think I like the way that you phrased it, right? And I want to add one part. I think the word competition freaks out a lot yeah. of people, but in reality, competition exists whether you, whether it's openly stated or not. When you have a first team guy and a second team guy, regardless of who they are, they're going to be vying for that first team spot. Of course, the talent disparity might not always be uh, as significant in right. certain uh, in certain aspects, but it's a competition always. And so, to me, I agree. There's no point in handing Trey Lance the job at this point yeah. in his third year. Draft capital is irrelevant. He hasn't been able to get on the field. 
due to things outside of his uh his like outside of his doing and so yeah outside of his control but overall like you still have to put out who's the best quarterback understanding that the one thing you said you've got a salary cap these cap hits continue to increase and increase they're only going to increase next year especially when javon hargraves makes 15 million dollars everything is coming to an increase because when you do restructures you push money back and so you've got guys uh, obviously you made a couple of restructures this offseason with Ward and Warner and things like that. But next year you also have guys uh, making, I think it's seven guys making nearly $20 million a year. And so, <laughs> right. you you know, it's the cap space. You, you do have to figure that that aspect as well out. And so I think the 49ers know that and they have to understand you've got to capitalize on this window. Now, I think a lot of people are also kind of looking a little too far into it. Trey Lance right now, Sam Darnold, they should be in a competition. But if you like Trey Lance, if you like Sam Darnold, you shouldn't be like afraid of this competition. If Trey Lance is the guy who people believe he is and who the 49ers believe he is, he's going to beat out a guy who has been a low-end starter throughout his career, if a starter at all. And so to me, that's the way I look at it. While I think the best way for Trey Lance to get better is to get more reps, obviously, I don't mind a competition at all. I think he absolutely has to beat Darnold out. But I also think there's significant confidence that he will beat Darnold out. And I think that that was also stated in a way through the contract that Sam Darnold got where it's a significant amount of incentives, but the base might not be as high as many other quarterbacks in the market. Absolutely. And I just think any scenario can play out. The scenario where Purdy gets healthy quickly and he's back by week one, he's a full go, and all of a sudden it's his team from you know week one onwards. There could be the scenario where he doesn't get healthy till midseason week four and Trey Lance runs away with his quarterback competition. He plays the first four weeks. He looks really good. They're three and one, four and oh. At that point, they may not want to switch quarterbacks at that point. They may just ride with the hot hand and Trey Lance and you never know. This could play out where maybe Trey Lance struggles. Sam Darnold is just more familiar. He's in the best situation he's probably been in his career in this right. offense. And with this like skill position group, all of a sudden he looks good and all of a sudden now he's starting. And you never like there's just a ton of different scenarios, and I don't, I don't truly think any sur- any scenario would really surprise me. And I think the 49ers this offseason compared to last aren't going to force a situation. Last offseason, they forced Trey Lance to get all the first-team reps, which makes sense. Um, and then based off of how training camp played out, they probably hedged that bet a little bit by bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back and just giving themselves an insurance policy, a security blanket, in the event Lance were to get hurt, in the event you know his struggles translated to the regular season, all of a sudden you're losing games, right? You just have an experienced veteran who's been there, won games, to just quickly step in. This year, they don't. They obviously don't have the Jimmy Garoppolo insurance plan, so you've got to go with something else. And I think they felt that Sam Darnold probably is that next best insurance plan. And I think they're just going to let this play out. And so I think they're so hesitant with what they say because they're trying not to offend or you know dissuade any of these guys or ruin their values publicly so they're you know right they're just gonna be careful with what they say and i think everything is just <laughs> being scrutinized under a microscope and ultimately i think the play on the field is going to speak for itself we're all going to be there we're all going to pay attention to what happens at training camp and preseason and i think it'll be evident um as this quarterback quote-unquote competition plays out I do want to ask you, though, in reference to this before we move on, because like you said, last year, Trey Lance earned the job. Kyle Shanahan himself today spoke about how they believe they would have gone really far if Lance was the quarterback last year. And I mean, uh, a good amount of praise towards Trey Lance. That's what I'm about to say. (laughs) Uh, Like a good amount of praise towards Trey Lance. I think he said a a lot of different things. He said uh, that he also said that. They brought Sam in because they don't know if they could be uh, certain about Brock and his injury. And so like a couple of different things that he said, um, kind of praising Trey Lance. But I do want to ask, he said that it's going to be a competition with first team reps. Both are going to earn first team reps. That is a stark difference from last year where Trey Lance was the sole first team rep guy. And they eliminated, like you said, any possibility of a, another person coming in if it wasn't for injury. What changed? What's what's what happened? What was the stark difference? I just think Kyle Shanahan, he's, he's good with this media stuff. He generally tells you what he's thinking. But in some of these instances, you got to follow his actions versus what he's actually saying. Right. 
And like I said, you were there at training camp. If they felt confident with Trey Lance, if they were 100% certain, if they knew he was going to be a surefire thing, if they knew he was the guy as they had thought in March, they would have just let, they would have cut Jimmy Garoppolo and they would have just rolled with Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, and Nate Sudfeld as their three quarterbacks and they just would have moved on. But, you know, we heard the rumblings. We heard the reports from Mike Silver and Albert Breer and all those guys that all the way back in August, they started talking with Jimmy Garoppolo's representation about potentially coming back and seeing if he's willing to do a restructured deal. And they did a good job of cultivating that relationship and ultimately he came back and it proved fruitful. Right. You know, I don't think it necessarily played the way it played out the way they thought it would with Lance, you know, unfortunately getting hurt. Maybe he improves as the season goes on. Maybe they win a bunch of games, but they had tangible pressure last year to win games. They had an extremely good roster. They were in a weak NFC. They had just come off an NFC title appearance. They knew all that going into the offseason. And by the time training camp and preseason and all those reps were in, I think Kyle Shanahan just got to the point where he's like, I, I just can't roll with just Trey Lance at this moment, given where our roster is and where our team is and our Super Bowl window and all that type of stuff. And he hedged that bet last year. And I think he's kind of doing the same this year, right? And I think it'd be different if Brock Purdy was healthy because they would just name Brock Purdy the starter and they would just roll with Purdy and Lance. But given the fact that Purdy's unhealthy, they don't know where his injury situation lies. They don't know if he's going to come back or when he's going to come back and how he's going to look when he comes back. You have to have a plan B and that plan B just happens to be Darnold. I don't know why, you know, you know what has them believing in Darnold so much, but he's clearly the plan B. Um, in case one of the other two guys don't work out. So I, I just think that's what it is. I don't think it's a lack of belief. It's just trying to give yourself another insurance policy and trying to just insulate yourself as much as possible in the event Purdy doesn't come back and Lance just doesn't continue to improve. Yeah, I, I think in a way it's hedging your bets on both quarterbacks. It's yep. not uh, an indictment on either one. But you're right. hedging your bets on both. I know in that contract it says that they expect Darnold to be active for seven games. Kind of somewhat of a uh, – I think that that's the likely to be in part. Kind of somewhat um, a, an indication that he could be the backup for seven games, meaning if an injury occurs or if either if Purdy isn't ready or if some injury occurs, you've got a guy who you know can at least be active for seven games in that, in that deal. And so I think that you know there are certain things with Sam Darnold that – they do like i think it's also an option for him kind of a stopgap you you learn under shanahan the injuries i i question it more for donald than i did for the 49ers initially but uh obviously with the incentive part aside but i want to ask you this now because we've heard about a couple of things with the way that kyle shanahan talked today with the way the 49ers have done business they also said that all three of their quarterbacks they it's like they wouldn't be reluctant to move on in a way so I do want to ask, do you envision a scenario where the 49ers end up trading Trey Lance this offseason? Not necessarily. And there's, a, again, a couple angles to this. First, from a cap standpoint, uh, you know, if they trade him before June 1st, they incur $11 million in dead cap. So, And I think his salary and his cap hit right now is 9.3. So in theory, you'd be paying $1.7 million extra to just get rid of him. And so it'd be effectively like you're buying you know, a draft pick at $11 million. And then becomes a discussion like, what do you get on the trade market for him? I don't think you're going to get a first round pick. I mean, I don't see it. And it would be, that would have to be before the draft. I just really don't see that. So you're, you know, you're basically buying a, a day two pick for $11 million. I don't see that. And I don't know. I don't also think you can do that until you know Brock Purdy's injury timeline. It, it makes no sense to punt on Trey Lance when you don't know if Brock Purdy's going to be back, how he's going to look, et cetera. So that part doesn't make sense to me. And then ultimately say, you know, you go through the offseason, you go through training camp, you go through preseason, you determine that Sam Darnold is the better player. Then at that point, Trey Lance's value is probably in the tank because he just got beat right. out by, you know, uh, like you call him a, a low end starter. Yeah. A guy who's been mm -hmm. on three teams in five years or six years. So now like, what are you trading him for? So it's, it's just a complicated scenario. It's weird because a lot of the big J's in the national media don't necessarily mention him. They always talk about Brock Purdy this, Brock Purdy this, or now it's like kind of like, hey, maybe it's Sam Darnold could be the guy, um, right? which gives you kind of the idea maybe they're done with him. I just think you just, like I said, you just let this play out and see where it goes. 
Um, so I, I just think you it's hard to preemptively make a decision in March before you've seen Trey Lance healthy, stepped on, you know, on the field to see what he can do. And you just let the chips fall where they may. I, I mean, I agree. I, I do agree. And I, I think it's unrealistic in, in general because, like you said, the value for Trey Lance right now, he hasn't played. The whole point, the whole reason the 49ers are in this situation is because Lance himself hasn't played. So opposing teams don't really know what they are what, what what they have in Lance, yeah. the guy who hasn't really seen any physical reps in a while because if you go back to his college film, he had a he didn't play the COVID year. He had one game that year. Overall, the college film is also pretty limited in terms of the amount of reps. And so, I don't know exactly what his uh, what his trade value would be. Yeah. And just because of the uncertainty there, it absolutely doesn't warrant spending money, spending more money on top of his nine point eight million dollar cap hit to trade him. I don't think that that's I think that that's really the deal breaker. Also. The 49ers themselves have said how they like these this three quarterback combination. Right. And I think last year was in a way a wake-up call where I believe they're going to now go after three quarterbacks and really roster three quarterbacks on the 53. They did it last year for the first time uh in a while. And normally teams like I think about 25 to 30 percent of the teams, about eight to nine teams, uh eight to ten teams do it on a regular basis. But the 49ers, I mean, they're a team who has faced a good amount of quarterback injuries. They have, they have to pay Trey Lance anyway. Might as well keep him on the roster, see what he has, understanding that right. you trashed him with third overall pick and could envision, like, whatever you envisioned of him then. Shanahan said it himself. I mean, they could envision now. And, and here's the other thing. The best part about, you know, being able to have a young quarterback is the rookie contract. And so he'd be going into year, th- he's right. going into year three. So a team that trades for him, let's play out this hypothetical has to pick up the fifth year option by the end of the season. So really you get one season with Lance and then you got to pick up a fifth year option or, you know, extend him, you know, after year four, if you don't pick up the fifth year option, it gets complicated fast. And so, right. You know, it, it just really just limits his market. And so I think, I just think you just play it out with Trey Lance. You just, you keep him clearly a high level guy. The players in the locker room like him. It's, I don't think it's anything like personal or none, none of that stuff. High level. He helped Brock pretty last season, um, you know, down the stretch when he wasn't playing with playbook and breaking down film cutups and all that type of stuff. So um, he's he's clearly a value valuable addition in the quarterback room. So you might as well just maintain that, especially if you're not you know saving any money against the cap uh, before June first at least. I agree. I agree. Now I do want to ask you. We're talking about this situation heading into next year. We've heard it's an uphill battle in a way for Lance. But as of now, do you envision Lance is going to be the day one starter? Or are you it kind of in the unclear boat at the moment? Probably in the unclear boat. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be Brock Purdy. I just don't think he's going to be back. I mean, you just kind of right. put the surgery timelines together. Realistically, he's probably not going to you know, be – anywhere close to hundred percent training camp in the preseason. So he's just missing a lot of live reps. And I think it'd be a big ass to just come in cold and be like, yep, let's throw him out week one. So, you know, feels like he's not going to be the guy week one. Kyle Shanahan kind of hinted at like week four or eight months. And so when he says that he's probably heard it, you know, from a doctor or, from, you know, someone close to Brock Purdy. I just don't think he's making those numbers just out of thin air. So right. given that it would have to be one of the other guys. And I just, you know, <laughs> I kind of have no idea. You would you would think it's Trey Lance, just given, um, you know, he's probably the more coveted, touted quarterback right now compared to Darnold. Just given he's he's unknown, right? So we just don't know. Whereas Darnold, I think exactly. most people just kind of have an opinion of him. So I would lean Lance, experience in the offense, kind of all the things I mentioned, but just kind of unclear. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it definitely is understanding. <laughs> the the landscape of it nobody like this is unprecedented waters in that nobody knows what is going to happen right. with Brock Purdy nope like this is the the second time the 49ers have faced it but I think the third time in NFL in general and even with Nick Bollins's case he he was there for training camp on day one I believe but really that arm strength only came back a month or a month and a half after that beginning like right into the beginning of the season that year and so again so many variables at the moment i would say trey lance right now is the day uh, is the day one starter just because don't think 
Purdy ends up being healthy. And with that uh, scenario in mind, I want to ask you this because the 49ers haven't done this in the Shanahan era despite the amount of quarterback controversy that they've had. And that is pulled their starter due to play in the middle of the season, which is why, given the talk, the confidence around Brock Purdy, do you think that that could change this year? That they that Kyle Shanahan pulls a quarterback for performance? Yeah. Uh, I think so. I think so. I, I mean, who knows how it plays out with Trey Lance last year, right? Because obviously week one in the monsoon, like you can kind of throw that out. Week two, I mean, it, it started to come together a little bit, right, in that first quarter. Um, so you just you just don't know how it plays out. Does he just continue on that trajectory and they, you know, kind of right the ship after week one and Kyle Shanahan sticks with him? Or does it would it have gotten ugly and, you know, are they two and four and Kyle's like, oh, my God, you know, we can't do this again two years in a row. It's time to move to Jimmy. Like, th- th- there's a there's a possibility it would have happened last season. And, you know, the injury just caused that. To... What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything, from T-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets, and of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days. Like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry Collection, or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Cause that situation never, uh, you know, cause it to happen. So I can see it. I don't think it's going to play out that way this year. I could see a scenario, like I mentioned, where Trey Lance is the week one starter. He's playing for a month. He's playing well. They just continue to ride with him. I could see, an, see a scenario where it's Trey Lance, but you know maybe it's up and down, and they just kind of ride it out until Brock Purdy gets healthy, and then Brock Purdy is the guy when he's when he's back. So I could see that. You know, I could see same thing for Sam Darnold. Maybe Sam Darnold's the week one starter, and he struggles, and Brock Purdy comes back, or maybe he struggles, he gets pulled for Trey Lance, like. I can see all these scenarios like you could you could you know we could do this again uh week three and uh you could we could be talking about all these scenarios and I if you told me any of these I would believe you one thousand percent and I mean that's the funny part talking about the situation at the moment I, I I'd say this is the first year where I think the 49ers would consider it uh pretty significantly I think this is somewhat of an inflection point in the Shanahan Lynch era you're seven you've been there three three times in the past four years you've made the nfc uh, you've made the nfc championship that is and then you've made the super bowl as well but with the window dwindling down with the emphasis on you need to win with that rookie quarterback in a way that's the best way to maximize this roster you've got pretty much this year maybe uh next year as well you've got this two-year window and i think they've got to capitalize on it and so whoever the best option that is uh, I understand the the value of development and the argument that I pr- provide for the reason why the 49ers go with Trey Lance um, is that you're not banking on his week one week one floor. You're not banking on his potential either, but you're banking on that potential translating into the floor by week 18 so that when he's there in the playoffs, you understand that you've got a quarterback who you had the thought process of could take you to the Super Bowl three years ago. That's the way that I think the 49ers need to envision this. If they believe that that floor in week 18, based on the progress that Lance shows, not only in the offseason, but also in the early part of the season, should he be the starter, they believe that floor can be strong enough for them to win the Super Bowl in week 18. That's what matters. It can't be up to potential at that point, because obviously potential is for future. You want to know what the floor is, not necessarily week one, but more so what would it be in week 18. I agree. And and I think, this year, the pressure is more tangible. I mean, the I think yeah. uh, DraftKings set their over under 
for the win total at like 11 and a half. I think that's the highest in the NFC. They're the favorite to come out of the NFC. I don't think they were last year, uh, if I remember correctly. And so, you know, the way they're viewing it is we've got this two-year window. I just think given the the cap hits, the age of some of their core guys, Trent Williams, Eric Armstead, Debo Samuel, um, George Kittle, I think they've got like a two-year window to capitalize and win the whole thing. And I think there's tangible pressure on them to start hot. I mean, the last two years, you know the deal. They started three and five and three and four, and now you're climbing uphill. And last season, they almost, you know, they almost got to the one seed. A couple years ago, obviously, they they went the wild card route. But I think there's tangible pressure to like start the season well and put yourself in a position to get home field advantage in that buy. And now that there's only one buy, that I think that buy means a lot. I mean, allows your guys to get healthy, gives you home field advantage, and you know the difference in the NFC title game could just outside of the injury, obviously simply just the fact that they had to travel to Philadelphia, hostile environment on the road. Like you'd much rather have that be at Levi's this season. So there's, I know I get what you mean about, yeah. you know, you want to make sure you're ready come week 18 in the playoffs, but I think they have tangible pressure to like start hot and, you know, don't fall, fall, you know, behind the eight ball and put yourself in a position to win the NFC West and be the one seed come playoff time. Absolutely. I mean, after after the the last few years, you you talk about what's been the the issue the last few years. They've traveled a lot. I mean, on the road this past year, obviously they had a home game. Uh, they had two home games, and then they traveled to Philly. They haven't like apart from twenty nineteen, I believe, when they were uh, when they were there. They, they were the they ones traveled a good amount. Yeah, and and so they were there throughout. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Throughout, and they made the Super Bowl. But in twenty twenty one, they were on the road the entire time. They uh, 2022 they were on the road in the most important game so they've definitely had to you know they, they've experienced that and like you've said they, they, they're somewhat of a second half team they've had really strong second halves 2019 was the anomaly where they were eight and one to start the year but the last two years i mean not the best start second half team they ended up getting it done but you're right i think that it is important to kind of jump off strong and i think that it will influence what they end up doing this offseason Agreed, and that's why I think there's tangible pressure on whoever the quarterback is come out, out the gates, whether that's Trey Lance, whether that's Sam Donald, whether that's Brock Purdy. Do you, I mean, it, the expectations are going to be sky-freaking high come week one with this team, with this roster. I know they have a first-place schedule, but week NFC, I mean, I think most fans are going to be looking for them to just start, start hot and stay hot. So, yeah. Right. I want to ask you this question from the chat before we move on. Is it just me? Patobo Hammer says, or did Shanahan show more faith in Trey than we all thought he had? Did you take that away from uh, today's presser? Not really. I think he's consistently said the same things, which is, you know, they believe they believe in Trey as a person. They believe in his work ethic. They believe in his football IQ. They believe in his character as a locker room leader, all that type of stuff. And they also believe if he had the opportunity uh, to play that, you know, eventually he would get better. Um, and unfortunately because of injuries, it just hasn't played itself out. So I think they've consistently said the same thing. Um, and maybe Shanahan just said it slightly differently today, which is why people are maybe thinking there, there's more faith. And so I, you know, ultimately I, I firm believer that your the actions that you take on the field, show me more about what you really think than what you tell me in a press conference in March. So we saw last year, right. They hedged their bet last year with, with the Jimmy Garoppolo insurance policy, and it kind of feels like they've hedged both sides, both Brock Purdy being healthy and Trey Lance, you know, improving with Sam Darnold this year. So we'll see how it plays out. We'll see if if Trey if Cal Shanahan has full faith in Trey Lance, he he will be the starter come week one if if Brock Purdy isn't healthy. So we'll uh, we'll see how it plays itself out. And at that point, I think we'll know how Cal truly feels about Lance. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Moving forward, though, to the other part of the discussion Lynch spoke a little bit about right tackle 49ers that's been a one of the positions that they've not necessarily come away with a prime solution but they have a guy who they believe it in Colton McKivitz Lynch talked about uh McKivitz and the position itself saying that McKivitz is the guy at the moment but he did indicate that there will be a competition despite the 49ers feeling pretty strong about uh their guy in McKivitz what do you think about the position after the 49ers signed Matt Pryor, who seems like he could be the swing tackle? Is there more to be done here? Do you think that this is a short-term option? What do you what do you believe at right tackle? 
they've got a couple options, right? They've got the young guy in Colton McKivitz who they just extended. Um, he's been he's been a spot starter at left tackle for Trent yeah. Williams. We remember the Week 18 game in LA a couple seasons ago. He filled in for him this past season. Uh, better pass blocker, I think, than run blocker, at least compared to Mike McGlinchey. Uh, I think I feel like they're kind of the opposite um in in terms of what they bring to the table and then obviously they got a couple of veteran guys matt Pryor, who's with the colts i think um john feliciano i know he plays inside mostly but i think he does have experience at playing tackle if i remember correctly previously in his career so they'll have some competition i imagine they'll add a young guy or two um through the draft on draft free agent etc that'll just compete and we'll see right last year coming in at this point last year we all just assumed that right guard was going to be Dan Barnskill, but they added a rookie in Spencer Burford. He balled out in camp. He eventually took that took on that role and looks like he's just going to be the starter moving forward. So I, I, once again, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but we'll just kind of let itself play out. And I think they're just trying to get as many bodies at that spot to compete just because you know you have a stalwart left tackle in Trent Williams who, A, costs, against, costs a lot of money against the cap. And um, so you know, along the offensive line and just in roster construction, you're going to have to, you know, go the discount route somewhere. And I think they've chosen to do that at a right tackle because they feel confident with the other four positions and the four guys that they have. Yeah, definitely. And right tackle, I think is an interesting one because the 49ers didn't spend obviously at the position, a couple of positions where the last two off seasons, you look at where the 49ers felt they had holds. They went after the position. Lynch talked about D tackle. Um, Obviously, the play wasn't necessarily as high. Armstead wasn't um, he, he wasn't there for the entire year. Kinlaw, up and down year, again, facing the injuries. Some uh, weaknesses were exploited in certain games down the stretch as well. So you, you go ahead and you insulate that position the year before with Charverius Ward at cornerback. And so right tackle right now, seems like the 49ers, they have an idea of what they want to do, but there's still work to be done because San Francisco – based on McKivitt's contract, doesn't seem like he's going to be the long-term option. It's a two-year deal worth $5.8 million, but the first year, it's really, when you look at it, they can get out of it after one year if they want. Regardless, it's not too expensive to where he can also be the swing tackle as he's been the last sure. few years. But they did sign Matt Pryor as well, adding depth, because they didn't really have much tackle depth behind McKivitz and Trent Williams. If you want to consider Jalen Moore tackle as he's played, then you can. But I think that his he's on the roster bubble at the moment after some uh, uninspiring off-seasons at tackles so far. I think the 49ers have to go out in a way, draft a guy, which might mean trading up, but also might mean staying where they are and looking for a developmental guy. Absolutely. And it's, it's a difficult position. I mean, you know, you know, yeah. the deal, there's just less and there's just less offensive linemen that come out every year and it's way harder to find tackles than it is defensive linemen. And so when everyone is, is complaining that, you know, why can't they just get both these tackle spots? Right. It's just, it is so difficult to find two guys, especially when you haven't had your first round pick in three years. Right. Yeah. You, you spent all of it for Trey Lance and then you haven't had first round picks. It's like, those guys typically don't drop in this draft, especially the really athletic, really skilled, really talented ones. So, yeah, they've had to go kind of the bargain route to replace it. So we'll see We'll see what they end up doing. But I just think they feel confident in their skill group. They feel confident in the rest of the offensive line, their play caller, their quarterback, that, you know, ultimately if they had to – if it was McKivitz, that they could they could work around him because you know two years ago McGlinchey missed the majority of the season it was Tom Compton at right tackle they were in the NFC title game so I I think they feel that McGivitz is probably a step up from that and they can uh, they can win games with him. I mean I hope so we'll see uh, off season will be the first look really at him as the starter he's moved around he's he's been their swing guy and he's played guard as well so definitely will be interesting to take a look at him. But to wrap today's show up, Akash, I do want to ask you, going back to the execs, but not really a team-based thing, more so on the futures of John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Like I said earlier in the show, it's year seven. They've gotten good results, but they haven't been able to get the, the one thing they want, a Super Bowl. Do you think that this year would be – do you think that the 49ers could move on if they don't get the results they had this year, knowing that – the 49ers missed on Trey Lance, which would likely be the case if they don't get their, if they don't reach their goal. Right. I, 
So I think there's a couple ways to look at this. One, I don't think Jed York wants to go through a coaching and, and GM search. I think that's probably probably the last thing he wants to do. So I think he generally likes Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. I think he wants to stick with this regime. And guess what? They've won a lot of freaking games over the last four seasons. Since 2019, I think they've got like, they're I think top three in, in regular season wins among all teams, top three or top five. Um, and obviously they've got what six playoff wins and a couple NFC championship appearances and home playoff games. I mean, Jed York is just absolutely raking it in. And of course they haven't won the Super Bowl, but you know, I think most franchises would sell their soul to have the type of success that the 49ers have had over the last four years. So I, I don't think it's a make or break year. I did think when they drafted Trey Lance that Kyle Shanahan's long-term future probably depended on it, but guess what? They've built such a good roster. He's such a good coach that they've been able to win with a rotating door at quarterback. And ultimately they may have found something in Brock Purdy or maybe Trey Lance develops into that guy, or maybe Sam Darnold is good enough to be kind of your fill in starter or whatever the case is. But I just think, I don't think it's quite make or break. I do think this core group of players probably has a couple years together and then we'll kind of see how it plays out. Ultimately, if you hit on a franchise quarterback, then you can replace the talent around him, right? Because it's a head coach, head coach and quarterback league, they would have that guy, and then they would just they would have a high floor at that point, and it would be hard to let go of either Lynch or Shanahan. I just think if they whiff on the quarterback, and then it gets a little dicey when this roster isn't as good in a couple of years, that's when you know maybe we would be talking about Shanahan in the hot seat, but absolutely not. I feel like a third of the NFL would fire their coach if Kyle Shanahan was available to go hire him right now. So <laughs> I promise yeah. you Jed York isn't thinking about letting him go. I think it's too early. I, I, I've definitely had the talk about Kyle Shanahan before. And I'm me personally, I'm a guy who has supported Kyle Shanahan through a lot. I think that he, he does get over criticized by a good portion of the fan base who doesn't understand necessarily how integral he's been and really how hard it is to sustain success in the NFL. And so he's done a fantastic job, him and John Lynch, kind of building this team, but also sustaining uh, that success year in and year out, despite the ongoing salary cap and things like that. To me, though, I think when you look at it, the earliest you can really discuss this is when his contract's up. I think that that's the earliest, which is, I believe, in three years, because that would give you the two remaining years on both rookie contracts for his quarterbacks and then the uh, and then a year after in a way to to figure it out if he misses really on both of these quarterbacks. Is it likely that he misses on both of his top quarterbacks? Doesn't seem that way and also doesn't seem like he won't be able to get success without them. But I mean, they, they could, just, to, they could just pivot, right? Like say Brock Purdy doesn't end up being the same guy. Trey Lance isn't it. All of a sudden, you know, Kirk Cousins is a free agent next year. Like you just never exactly. know, right? There's so many different variables to play itself out. And again, Shannon has just proven himself to be such a good coach. You get, you know, middling quarterback play. They're winning nine, 10 games with a competent roster. And I just think the 49ers scouting department is excellent. I mean, they continue mm -hmm. to find guys and he's good at hiring and developing coaches. So they just, their roster churn kind of in the, that middle, the bottom part of the roster just continues to be really good. I mean, They've replaced, you know, obviously Dre Greenlaw taking taking spots. I mean, guys like Diamador Lenore, Talano Funga. Um, we'll see if Drake Jackson can be that guy, but Aaron Banks, Spencer Burford. I mean, they just continue to find starters in the draft. And as long as you continue to do that, and I think they can, I think they'll just be around for a while. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I think so as well. And if anything were to happen, I would presume that it would be a general manager move rather than a head coach move. Um, Lynch has also hinted that he doesn't want to necessarily stick in this job for a long, long time. So wouldn't be surprised if he moves back to a television role like he was uh, rumored in last offseason or a different role, should the, especially should the 49ers win a Super Bowl. But if not, maybe in the next few years, obviously the 49ers have a guy in Adam Peters, assistant general manager who's been with the organization as well and elected to stay over some uh, other opportunities. So I think that they have a good structure, even if uh, Lynch does depart. But regardless, it's important to note the, the job, certainly, that those two have done during their tenures here. No, 100%. I think, you know, ultimately, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you're you're looking to win a Super Bowl. But, uh, I mean, the success they had have had over the last four years, I feel like only the Chiefs 
could probably say they've had a better run. I mean, the Niners have been just kind of right there, and they've maintained a consistent high level of play despite different quarterbacks and different rosters. So I just think it speaks to how, what those two guys have built, and I just think they're respected league-wide. And so we'll, we'll see in a couple of years, but I think for right now it's it's uh, just a fun discussion point on Twitter, but nothing else. Right, exactly. Last topic for today, want to bring up Brandon Ayuk because the 49ers, he, they, they said earlier this week, John Lynch said they're going to pick up his fifth-year option, as expected. But the the real discourse when it comes to the future, talk, it, it comes next year when Ayuk is expected to have an extension, uh, obviously next season. But Debo Samuel also makes $28 million a year. Do you think the 49ers can, or not necessarily can, but do you think they would? have both of those receivers under contract with big extensions? Yes and no. So from, from an offensive skill standpoint, right? I think next season they're going to, or in 2024, you're going to have Debo Samuel at a cap hit of about, around 28 and a half million dollars. You're going to yeah. have Brandon IU presumably on the fifth year option. I think it's at like $14 million. So between the two of them, they're going to make $42 million. You have Christian McCaffrey. I think currently his cap hit schedule will be about $12 million. We'll see. It's all non-guaranteed salary. So between those three guys, they're in the books for $54 million. George Kittle's cap hit's high. I mean, eventually you're just going to hit a point where you're going to have to move on from one of those guys. And I think this is probably the last season that those four are probably together. If I, if, you know. If I had to guess, in 2024, one of those guys or two of those guys probably aren't there. And me personally, it's hard because Debo Samuel has delivered in the biggest way, in the biggest moments. He put the offense on his back in 2021 and basically carried him to an NFC title game. But he also plays a brand of football that isn't sustainable, I think. right? Just long-term injuries, kind of the home run plays he hits the way he plays both as a running back and a receiver, just don't know if it's sustainable. And then you look at Brandon Ayuk as an ascending player, route runner, someone who you could see playing a long time is just more malleable in different offenses, is more traditional wide receiver, so can fit the skill set of different quarterbacks. And then you got Christian McCaffrey, who, again, similar skill set to Debo, a little bit more consistent, I'd say, but maybe doesn't have the high end that Debo Debo did in 2021. So I, I just think you got to make some choices there. And, you know, in a perfect world, maybe you trade the guy with the highest cap hit because you get the most, you know, money back, but it becomes complicated. So every time the 49ers have had two expensive guys at the same position or similar positions, they've had to choose, right? Buckner, right. Armstead, they chose Armstead because they got the first round pick for Buckner. Um, obviously, this past offseason, McGlinchey, Williams, they, you know, they played tackle, obviously different tackle positions, but they decided to obviously keep Trent Williams and let Mike McGlinchey walk. Next offseason is going to be Ayuk and Debo. I just think one of those guys, or I should say one of McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, probably not going to be on the team after this season. So we'll, we'll see who that ends up being. It, it'll probably depend on draft compensation, um, what they can get back, what kind of cap space they can save, um, and what they end up doing with Brandon Ayuk's deal. And I, you know, I presume they tried to get Brandon Ayuk for an extension this offseason, which is probably why you saw him respond. They probably tried to get him for one of those cheap, right. you know, under market deals because his stats don't necessarily match what he brings to the table just because he's the fourth option on this team on a team that likes to run the ball first. So he probably was felt slighted and, and he's like, nah, we'll play it out, you know, <laughs> you know, type thing that probably doesn't help the 49ers because he's probably only going to get better and wide receiver contracts continue to get more expensive. So we'll see how that plays out, but that's just, that's just my uh, prediction. I think that's a, a very fair prediction. I'm going to agree with you here because when you talk about the way that 49ers operate, I mean, in general, it's going to be tough to figure out how they, they go about next off season with keeping their entire roster intact. Right now they have about 19 million in cap and Remember, you've got to sign a draft class. But also, Nick Bosa is going to get an extension. Ayuk should get an extension. There are there are a couple of other factors on top Aaron of Aaron Banks. I mean, Aaron Banks might get an extension, and you you'll have free agency plans as well with other players to resign. And so, I Ufunga. think that you can name name after name. I mean, there are a couple of players on this team uh, that the 49ers will want to bring back as well. 
be it in, via extension or just to re-sign. And so you've got to create cap space in some way or another. We'll see how the 49ers do it because Debo Samuel's contract does make it a little tougher to move on from him. I think you save about $8 million, but you know you, you incur a pretty strong dead cap hit. But he seems like the likeliest to be moved within the next offseason or two. And so next offseason, I think it is going to be some murky waters where the 49ers are going to have to navigate, understanding that they're going to finally have to break the core up. They've talked a lot about culture and how they've tried to instill the right culture. And really, they have a good pedigree for bringing their guys back. But I think that some tough decisions will have to be made to one of the core players of their team next year. Samuel might be a guy. You might even see George Kittle be a guy if they don't restructure him uh, this offseason. So I I think I I agree agree with you in that one of those four. Yeah, one of those four, if not more. Yeah, and and I sorry, I brought up Banks and Ufunga because those guys at 2021 draft class, they weren't first-round picks, so they're on a four-year yeah. contract, meaning you can extend after three, which is at the end of this season. And if Banks is on his trajectory, guards make a lot of money these days. And right. Ufunga's safety, he's been an all-pro already, so he's going to have some ex- escalators in his rookie contract. He's going to look to want, to want an extension. So, I mean, there's going to be some decisions to be made, and I just – I just think it, it's going to come at the expense of one of those skill guys, which puts even more pressure on this season and needing to deliver because the team's potentially going to look a little different in the next few years. Definitely, definitely. And like you said, it reverts back to what we were originally talking about, the whole quarterback situation, the amount of pressure. We talked about how um, there's tangible pressure not only on the coaching staff, not only on the team, but more so on the quarterbacks who now have to deliver despite – Several factors going against their way. Purdy and his health, Lance and his experience, Donald and his previous experience. So a lot, a lot of moving parts here. <laughs> They're a content machine, though. So, <laughs> I mean, that's all we want, right? That's all we want. But Akash, I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your insight here with the quarterback situation. Any last uh, words before we head on out of here? Nothing much, man. I appreciate uh, you having me. I appreciate the work you've been doing. It's been awesome to see uh, over the last year or two. So, yeah, man, keep up the good stuff. Appreciate you. Guys in the chat, as always, thank you guys, as well as the listeners tuning in with the audio section. We'll be back with some more content tomorrow. 49ers always providing uh, something or another for us to talk about. So, appreciate the franchise there. But overall, Kosh, you were great today. Thank you so much, and we'll see you guys soon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.